brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Is something special for you. It's time for Cougar Sports on ESPN 960. This is something special for you. Here's your host, Ben Criddle. Good afternoon, Cougar fans, and welcome to ESPN 960 and the Cougar Sports Insider Radio Network. We are live from Fat Daddy's Pizzeria at 223 West Center Street in Provo on this hump day Wednesday. If you mention ESPN 960 on your visit to Fat Daddy's Pizzeria, you get free garlic bread knots. Yummy. Available for takeout, delivery, or dine-in. Make a move to Fat Daddy's Pizzeria. Ben Criddle is your everyday host of the program. But he's got some things to take care of today, so I am getting the call from the bullpen to host the show. Limbering up my left arm, I'm lefty. And my vocal cords for today's excellent show. I'm Darnell Dixon from the Daily Herald, fresh off a gold medal winning performance at the Huntsman Senior Games. There we go. On Monday. I'll tell you about it later because I'm, I'm, I'm just that way. I'm vain that way. <laughs> we, we welcome all those joining us the old-fashioned way across the radio waves on 960 AM Utah County. There are many ways you can listen. You can stream us on ESPN960.com. You can download the app on your iPhone or Android device. You can download us at iTunes. Spreaker, Stitcher, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, or Spotify. Give us a rating if you would so we can continue to bring you the best BYU discussions. Then there's your participation. You can call us on the hotline at 844-422-0960. You can hit us up on Twitter today at ESPN960Sports, at Darnell writes. Lots of ways you can join the show. Uh, we want to start off today uh, thanking... The people, the good people here at Fat Daddy's Pizzeria for having us in. It smells so good in here. And I, yeah. I actually worked a pizza job growing up in my hometown, so the, the smells are reminiscent. Um, we used to cut our pizza a little differently there, too. We cut it in little, like, squares. Oh, nice. Rather than the big pizza slices, just to mix things up a little bit. Um, I have participated in the food here at Fat Daddy's. I'm a, I'm a carnivore, so yeah. I got I got the uh, tri-carne, yeah. and it was delicious. I got a pepperoni for my wife, and she loved it. So we will talk more about that, uh, about this particular pizzeria and the things that you can expect coming here a little bit later in the program. Right now, we're going to do our starting lineup, brought to you by Larry H. Miller, Chevy, Chrysler, Jeep, and Dodge. Take a break from inflation. See the special offers and inventory at Larry H. Miller, ChevroletProvo.com. Reach out to Curtis, the sales manager. He'll take care of you. 
need a truck, 2.49% for 60% is the, the, the percentage rate right now on a 2022 Silverado. Some more deals. Make sure you check it out at Larry H. Miller, Chevy, Chrysler, Jeep, and Dodge. Introducing our starting lineup today, first of all, my co-host from Cooper Connect is Jake Brandon. Hi, Jake. Hey, how's it going, Darnell? Good. It's the first time we've ever hosted the show together, so... You know, it'll be kind of a get-to-know-you sort of situation. Yeah. I have met Jake once before at another remote that be, that we did with, with Ben. Um, and I heard him on the program a few times. But, you know, when we get into the co-host-host relationship, <laughs> we'll see what happens there. What, what's new with you? Oh, man. I've, we've been crazy with, uh, with Coot Connect. Like, mm. uh, I actually met with a guy last night who's working on this, like, kind of secret deal with Cody Epps. And, uh, like, a this, secret deal. It's a secret deal, man. And. I don't want to ruin anything because it's going to be a surprise reveal on it, but we're going to be helping out with it. It's a big deal, too. And uh, I think if, if Cody gets a, his next TD, he might, he might get some more info on it. So that's Is he pretty cool. open up his shirt and there'll be an ad on his shirt? I, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't <laughs> want to like reveal that, maybe. it. Maybe something like that, but it's All a really right. cool. I'll just say it's a jeweler. There's a really cool jeweler who's doing some really cool BYU blings and there's 15 carats of diamonds involved with this. Nice. that's all i'll say on that one and then uh we've uh we've partnered up with a company nil for us and uh david graves who's one of the owners of nil for us actually like here he's in here having right pizza now. yeah he's in here having pizza <laughs> enjoying the atmosphere all this stuff and we're getting it so uh when uh, someone comes to our site and subscribes for our insider content our videos our reports from players all that stuff that the players that are subscribing to see and read they get a 10 percent royalty to them for life of that subscription so if someone comes in subscribes there's like an affiliate marketing type of royalty that goes to that player not like one time but for the rest of that person's subscription as they stay a subscriber the players are super excited about it when that gets ready to get launched we've already got a bunch of guys under contract to post about it share about it hopefully drive some subscriptions for us but also drive some royalties for the players as far as i'm aware it's the only nil deal in the country of that nature where it's like a longer-term partnership where the players continue to get royalties even after they leave off of those subscriptions. So cool stuff, exciting stuff like that, yeah. Very cool. Excited to hear that. Um, lots to talk about on the program today. First, I want to give a shout-out to uh, our producer for the show today is Bryce Larson. Bryce, how are you? How you been? Hey, I'm doing good. Um, welcome to the party, Darnell. Me and Jake have known each other for a long time. <laughs> oh, are you a Spanish work guy? Yes, I'm a Don. Oh, okay. I'm a Don. He's a Don. Yeah. I coached I coached high school ball there for thirteen years. Nice. Yeah. Including Bryce. Yep. We go way back. Yeah. Let's see. Went through some coaches there. Uh Scott Brunt was Scott, Scott was, was my there coach. for a while. Yeah. Scott was my yeah. coach, yeah. Um I'm trying to think of some older coaches if it's been thirteen years. Oh man, so I can tell you all of them I've coached with, yeah. right? So before Scott, we'll just go back to the, the beginning. So you went um, I think it went Snell, Kelly, Polo, Brumfield, right? And I was right. that's when I was okay. in the program as a, as a youth, right? And then after that, when I came back from my mission, I coached for Matt Christensen. And following Matt, I coached uh, for um, Jordan Smith and then Kirk Chambers and then Preston Parrish. And then I even got a little bit in with Dustin Smith before my wife and I had two very two babies almost back to back. And my wife was like, hey, it's time time to take a little break from this and i agreed with her on that and she she's smart i listen to her a lot of time yes that's the best so. way to do it also want to give a shout out to gavin lee on social media today gavin helped me set up everything driving a big old white van for the first time yeah that's an okay parking job you gave yourself a little bit less room on the left side than the right side but that's okay <laughs> you know big vans are difficult sometimes to get maneuvered in there 
or any vans whatsoever. Yeah. My, my kids beat the heck out of my wife's van already, and it irritates <laughs> me. But, you know, we do the best we can. <laughs> we have a, a great guest on today's show, as always. Uh, we we're going to talk to Moose Bingham about football recruiting here in the state of Utah. No one does it better than Moose. Lots of guys to talk to him about. Um, also, a, a new a new name in the transfer portal. I did see that from UCLA. Yeah, from yeah. UCLA, and we'll talk about that. Uh, Mike Padre at the Daily Herald, Jared Lloyd, who I spent on Saturday at the um, at the BYU Notre Dame game down in Las Vegas. We'll talk to him and preview that upcoming game against Arkansas. We also got an interview brewing with BYU wide receiver Cody Epps. You mentioned oh, him yeah. already, and we're, that's who we're, we're looking to talk to today after BYU football practice. That'll be sometime around 5.15, 5.20, depending on when all that gets done. And then we'll also talk to Chad Pritchard, who's the owner of Fat Daddy's Pizzeria, and find out what's new and what's happening here at Fat Daddy's, which is a, a, a great place for downtown Provo. And, uh, and, and as I mentioned, I, and I did work at a, a pizza place. It was called the Pizza Deli when okay. I first started working there, which if you think about it, isn't really a name, much of a name, because they make pizza and it's a deli because they make sandwiches. There wasn't yeah. a lot of imagination in that. But <laughs> my, uh, my, I had a classmate whose parents started it, and then when I graduated from high school, they hired me for a couple years working, making pizzas. I started off as a dishwasher, but they moved me up front, which was nice, and I worked that job before my mission. And as I mentioned, we did cut the pizza into little squares, which people thought was kind of cool. You guys need to get some linguisa, okay? That's that's a that's a really really good spicy topping for pizzas, Ooh. okay? Look into it, linguisa, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Any meaty spicy topping, I'm all yeah. about it. I'm and so eventually, it. they ended up changing the name of it to Wild Wild River Brewery and Pizza, okay? Because they started making their own beer, okay? So and there there's a if you ever get on the Oregon coast and you're in Cape Junction or Grants Pass, or uh, Brookings on the coast there. There are locations where you can still get that awesome pizza. But we're here at Fat Daddy's, and we'll talk about right. them in just a little bit. Um, next up on the program, Nitty Gritty. The Nitty Gritty is always brought to you by Bucked Up at BuckedUp.com. Ladies and gentlemen, we are pleased to present our dancers with their interpretation of the Nitty Gritty. So anyways, let's get down to the nitty gritty. Sorry, I forgot about that little intro yeah, that's intro. been cooking. Yeah, <laughs> if you're interested in your health and something called deer antler velvet, which can help you recover faster from your workouts... Check it out at buckedup.com. It started right here in Utah, headquartered in American Fork. You got pre-workout, BCAAs, whatever that is, protein. Do you know what that BCA is? <laughs> I believe it's branch chain amino acids. There acid. it is. That's it. That's, yeah. See, Ben puts that little thing in there because he knows what it yeah, is. Yeah, he's got. he knows but it. But I wouldn't know what that is. But branch chain amino acids and some of the tastiest energy drinks around, that's buckedup.com. All right, so, so let's talk. Uh, and this will be the first time Jake and I have talked about the BYU Notre Dame game. We were both down there. Yeah. I was covering it. You were, you were in, the, in the stands. Uh, now, for most BYU fans that had made that trip, a lot of them made that trip last year for the Arizona yep. game. A little bit different situation because you had two teams where there was it was kind of a neutral site. Um, BYU brought a ton of fans down oh, yeah. there, more than Arizona, I think, in, in that situation. Um, and it was a pretty cool environment. I also felt like Saturday was kind of a cool environment. Yeah. because, And it was interesting to me to hear Coach Freeman after the game from Notre Dame say it felt like a home game. I'm like, no, not really, because they don't let 20,000 opposing people. fans into yeah. Notre Dame Stadium. I've been there. That's That place 
And the only team that's ever taken over that stadium, to my knowledge, is Nebraska. Ah. And Nebraska still brags about that. Yeah. I, I worked in Nebraska for three years at the paper there as the sports editor, and they would tell me constantly about the time that Nebraska played Notre Dame in South Bend and, took it over. and basically took over the stadium <laughs> because, because they, they bought a bunch of, of tickets from Notre Dame fans. and So, so that doesn't happen. So I can see where he, where he felt like the support, but it definitely was not a no. home game. To me, it felt a little bit more like a playoff game. Right. Kind of. I mean, it's, it's a very different atmosphere than a, a bowl game. Yeah. Because the bowl game's festive, and it's you know it's just kind of laid back and everything. This one felt a little more intense to me. I don't know about you, Jake, but that's kind of the feeling I got. From yeah, absolutely. And I ha- I was getting I was at the game, and in the stadium, it's kind of hard to gauge like how loud each side is. But I had some people back at home who are watching back at home. They said, "Hey." How many BYU fans are at this game? What's your ballpark estimation? Mm-hmm. I said, if I had a ballpark, I'd say around twenty to 21,000 would mm-hmm. be my guess. And they said, I don't know. It might be more than that because you guys sure sound a whole lot louder on TV than the Notre Dame fans for a close game. So whether we had you know 18 or 20, I don't know how many we had there. I feel like it was a very invested group. There was a bunch of BYU fans who were there, were making noise, were invested in the outcome of the game, trying to help fire up their squad and cause some confusion maybe on third downs and things like that. So, yeah, it was a diff- it was an intense – I think it was an intense feeling, and I think even people at home maybe who are watching that at NBC were able to pick up on that. It kind of felt like, to me, the first time I ever went to an NCAA basketball tournament game, Yeah, in that it was a very different feel than a regular game. Yeah. Because um, – I, 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 this is going back a few years. I'm sure it was – was it BYU and UConn playing in uh, in um, uh, Spokane? Okay, I think yeah. that might have been the first NCAA tournament game I ever went to working as a journalist. And it was just... I love the Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Notre Dame. There we go. See, they're <laughs> everywhere. Notre Dame fan was here. They're everywhere, yeah. But but it, I, I just noticed in that game, the, the whole environment was just very different than a regular season game, than a, a conference tournament game, than a preseason game, than a than a conference. It was just very different. And that was kind of how I felt on Saturday in that environment because you normally have, even even when, like when BYU played Oklahoma in Dallas, yeah. right, when, when they opened uh, the, the new stadium, yeah. that had a different feel to it too because you had so many Oklahoma fans. It wasn't really uh, a neutral site. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. wasn't even split. So that was different. But, but my, my whole take on that for this particular game was playoff. It really felt like more of a of more at stake than just a regular season game. And I think it validates every the growing process that uh, Notre Dame's been through, right? Where they like lose to Ohio State. Okay, that happens to everybody, right? Then you lose to Marshall, and you're like, whoa, what's going on here? But then they really found an identity with that inside power run game. And then, you know, they got the play action off to the tight ends and different things with that, too, or the tight end. Um, and that, too. And so I think they were validating, hey, like, we had some growing pains with the new staff and new things of this, but we're, we're legit. And then there's BYU fans who, you know, they beat ranked Baylor at home and this. And then they, you know, they turn around and drop that game in Oregon, which was like really like, I feel like kind of we didn't show up to play that game. We didn't mm-hmm. really showcase our true potential because I think this is a, a really good football team. And so we're trying to validate that by saying, well, look, we beat Notre Dame in this kind of almost trap game, Shamrock Series, pay-for-play game. So both teams, I feel like, had a lot to prove on the, in that game, and I think that's what you're talking about is it? you almost had this urgency of, like, we've got to win this to validate our season kind of thing. And, and it was definitely a blow to the BYU fans there on the very first offensive play when Jaron threw an interception off his back foot. And that started the speculation that he wasn't right. Yeah. He wasn't okay. Yeah. After the game, he said, my shoulder's fine. 
He didn't look okay through part of the game. I think he was a little bit better yeah. in the second half. I think he threw the ball with a little more zip on it. He did. It just seemed like in the first half he was just not honed in on what we know that he's capable of. Yeah, and he threw that back corner, actually played that play really, really well. Yeah, he turned around very quickly yeah, he, on he, it. He, he yeah. dropped and never really fully committed his hips downfield yeah. until the ball was already thrown. Ideally, on that play where it's like a it's a over the top fade or it's a back shoulder, you know, but you're going to make that guy wrong no matter what he chooses. You have to make him commit to something. Yeah. And we threw it before he committed to it, and so I don't know if Jaron was feeling pressure up front. He had a fairly clean pocket and thought, "I got to get rid of this." I'm guessing it's going to be here. Yeah. And it should have been over top, or if maybe Jaron was trying to go over top. And his shoulder wasn't right because, and I don't know if this was in the broadcast. Just been, I, I heard someone else talking about it. I think it was Kalani or somebody recently. So I don't think I'm like violating anything <laughs> too too privileged here. But I know he received ibuprofen shots in that shoulder before the game, and I've heard he got more shots at halftime. So I'm sure his shoulder is structurally fine. Whether it was feeling 100 percent for him or not, I'm not. I'm not so sure that that's the case. But yeah, it, it felt like on that play that he did get some pressure coming at him, and maybe he threw it a little earlier than he than was to. intended. Yeah, and, and like you said, if the defensive back doesn't commit one way or the other, he's kind of guessing which way he was going to commit. And if the guy had turned his, his hips and run after yeah. Gunner, Gunner could have come back right and maybe back in, made, made, the, made the catch or at least broken it up. Thirty-five yard completion or whatever yeah. it would have been. Yeah, yeah. So that was interesting the way that defensive back played that. And I know from from talking to John Beck, he he spent a lot of time in college. Uh, trying to identify how guys played stuff. And one of, one of my favorite stories about him is there was a game there. I don't remember who they were playing, but um, he threw a pass into the end zone that was picked off. And after the game was over, BYU won. After the game, his first reaction was to run over to that defensive back and ask him, why did you react that way? Because on film, you always did you this. Always did this. Yeah. <laughs> and on that play, you did that. Yeah. And, and so I, I know Jaron will look at that this week in, in game film and realize, okay, I could have done this or I could have done that, that yeah. better. Um, let's talk about a few things from that game. One of the things uh, defensively, it, it would be hard to imagine that BYU coaches were not completely aware of Notre Dame's tight end right. going into it. He was the leading receiver. He's an NFL prospect. But it didn't seem like they were prepared for what they, they did to get him open yeah. because he was open a lot. He made a couple of catches under pressure, but for the most part, he was able to find wide open seams where he could catch the ball and get up field. Um, how how frustrating was that? Do you think for the BYU coaching staff? Because they're in, a, and, and there's been some discussion online about this. You know, who who's responsible right. for that? Is it the coaches? Is it the players? I always say I feel like there's there's also a responsibility in part on the defense, mm. your opponent, because they're preparing too. Yeah, they're right? watching film. They're they, watching film. They're, they, they know got a game plan. Seams are, and yeah. Creases are. So they they out outmaneuvered you on that play. Um, and you can't fire players; you fire coaches. So maybe maybe more responsibility falls on the coaches. But yeah. what what are your thoughts as it pertains to identifying what Notre Dame was going to do coming in and not being able to stop it? You know, I think it was a little bit of a mixed bag here because there was a couple times where Micah Harper, I can remember twice, and some other guys were actually in pretty darn good coverage. And like they always say, like perfect throw and you know perfect route beats perfect. Mm-hmm coverage every time like execution can be coverage every time there's a couple of those but like you're saying there's also a few where it's like how is he running open did you forget you know, about that this? guy like, yeah <laughs> that's like that guy's an all-american like how how does this happen right and um I, so we had we had we have a live stream on monday nights on our youtube channel with gabe judy lolly number 11 and he invites a different guest on every time and he had talked about their emphasis that week was if we can stop the run 
and force them to have to pass. We feel like we're way more adaptable. We can be more adaptable in covering what they like to do in the past, but we first have to stop that run. So I'm wondering almost if the coach's main priority is like, hey, let's make everyone aware of the alignment and assignments they do in the run game and do this. And if one guy tries and beats us, you know, we can try and combat that on the field with some adjustments later. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if that's what the planning and detail went into it is like, hey, this is what their bread and butter is, is this inside power run game. And it has, if, it has been, if you watch, I believe it's Cal they beat. And there was another team they North beat. Carolina. North Carolina, yeah. thank you. Where they, they, I watched on TV, and they ran really well, those inside power games and uh, things like that. So I, I think that that's probably what happened is there was a heightened emphasis on the run and uh, everything else there. So, But, you know, and then, I, you know, you, you focus all on that, and then you've got this All-American time. Not that you neglected him, but maybe you said, let's see if this one guy can beat us there, and then at halftime you go in. Because in the second half, he's pretty quiet. Yeah. And so maybe at halftime you go in and say, hey, we can hang with them in the run game, but let's make sure we do this with the pass. One of the things I was really impressed with uh, with uh, Drew Pine was BYU did bring pressure early mm-hmm. in the game especially, and they got to him. But just a split second too late. He made some throws under duress that I oh, thought were pretty hits. impressive. And he, he took, took hits. hits yeah. And I thought maybe that will pay off a little bit later in the game. But you have to give that kid credit because it was only his, what, second or third start. Yeah. Um, that he was able to throw under pressure. And, and BYU takes a lot of flack from fans about not getting enough pressure on the quarterback. And that they tried. They just didn't quite get home on him. And he made some tough throws to the tight end and then a couple other receivers too. Yeah, so like as a guy who's coached quarterbacks, and I know John Beck's talked about this on the show with Ben as well, honestly, when you bring pressure, you simplify the decision-making significantly, mm-hmm. right? Like it, there's going to be, whether if it's a zone blitz scheme, which isn't as common as a man, but so, somewhere there's going to be a guy who's open as you take people out of coverage and you insert them into the pressure scheme, right? So I, I, we all want to get QB sacks and we want to put all this pressure on the QB, um, but sometimes... Like when you do that, it's easy to get to get the, rid of the ball quickly because you know there's really one place to go with it, right? There's right. this vacated space where we've brought. Pressure. And then it's a matter of who wins that battle between the defensive back and the receiver. Exactly. Yeah. So that's why you, you know you get coverage sacks like oh there's one place to go, but he was on it. The coverage was phenomenal. You know safety moved over to cover his spot. The snap or the corners were were pressed up and locked up, and they really clamped on him, and it was hard to get rid of the ball there. Um, and we have guys that can do that. We have some phenomenal corners. I think we're hurting missing Malik. Um, Malik was was is a, was a pretty important cog in this defensive machine, um, but yeah, but it, it makes it pretty simplified. And a red call and a hot call is honestly one of the easiest calls as a QB to make. You know, snap, you see a guy coming, you know right where to go with it. So there's a trade off as with all yeah. things of football. And, and then uh, another defensive question comes up with late in the game. Notre Dame had a third and thirteen, I think it was, and BYU dropped eight and uh, gave Drew Pine about ten seconds to throw, and, and he, he found scrambled, him, and he scrambled yeah. and found somebody. One of the drawbacks of the drop eight is that you only have three guys rushing against five. And so being able to get to the quarterback is probably not realistic, at least initially. How, how does BYU avoid giving a quarterback 10 seconds to throw, though? Because, and, and when they play K.J. Jefferson on Saturday, if you're a defensive end and you take a loop to try to get around him, then you open up this huge gap yeah. for him to run through. Yep. So there, there's, some, there's some technical parts of that that fans probably don't understand where they kind of have to stay in their rush lane to make sure the quarterback doesn't escape. But is it possible for those three guys to at least make the pocket uncomfortable for him and so he doesn't just stand back there and, 
and count the number number of uh, grass uh, grass blades in the in the ground before he throws. Yeah, it's so. I mean, when you've got three guys and you still, like you said, you still have containment responsibilities, yeah. right? Because if you bring three and you get too creative or you get too loose with your containment responsibilities. And that he just rolls out, and it's still a broken, extended play, and he's on the move. And right. the receivers all know how to play scramble drill, like they've all played it in high school and everything, right? And so they all just run their scramble drill, and it's an easy completion as well. Um, so, man, it's tough. You're basically asking some guys to win some double teams. And we've seen uh, we've seen Nice Amahe in the past win some double teams in that drop eight scheme. He got a pretty big sack against Hawaii a few years ago. We've seen John Nelson do it mm-hmm. three on five in this season as well. Um, we've seen Batty get some pressure on the guys. But I just I, I really believe and I've I've talked with uh Udo and Malik about this before, that they believe that when they go drop eight, they're getting as much speed on the field in the secondary, and even when windows look like they're open, those guys are fast and they can break. All those nickels are good. Jacob Robinson's yeah. really good, George Udo's really good, Michael Harper's really good. And they can break on those windows and you force a QB to maybe like chance it because the windows are all tighter. And here's another thing. When you run Skelly or 7-on-7 or whatever you want to call it in practice, you're never seeing a drop-8 defense. So you're asking this quarterback to make reads against a defense with which he probably doesn't have a lot of experience, and you're kind of almost banking on him getting impatient and trying to force something in a tight window and your guys break on. And we just saw it with Keaton Slovis, right, as well. So you're almost kind of sacrificing the pressure element altogether, say, let's contain him. Make him make a play decision in four seconds against this unfamiliar coverage that most quarterbacks aren't practiced against, and either get a coverage sack or make him make a mistake on there. And it, honestly, he looked great. I thought Drew Pine played a tough game. We saw pressure. He hung in, took some hits, and completed some balls against drop eight on the third and thirteen. I was kind of thinking, let's see if this guy can really make some reads and really how tight of a window work. How good is his ball placement, right? Yeah. Can he put this ball right where his guy can make a play at it? And I thought he played pretty well. And I, I feel like he beat us as much as we beat ourselves with scheme and, and coverage like that. The, the defense gave up almost 500 yards of offense. Uh, third down efficiency was really poor. But, and, and of course, the, the time of possession was ridiculous. It was two to one. But they did get a pick in the second half. They did get a key uh, stop on yeah. the goal line yeah. that the offense turned into a safety. So, so they did some things that allowed BYU to be in the game. We'll talk about the offense a little bit later in the program and kind of break down some of the things that went on there. We're going to go to break now. We're going to come back with our band of the day and question of the day. It's Darnell Dixon and Jake Brandon filling in for Ben Criddle on ESPN Sports. ESPN 960 Sports. Ben told me to say it that way. ESPN 960 <laughs> Sports. We'll come back after this. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Oh, 
Just like the Cougar football team, Ben Criddle was built, not born. And since 2009, he's built himself into the go-to source on the radio and online for all things BYU. This is Cougar Sports with Ben Criddle on ESPN 960 and ESPN960sports.com. ESPN 960 Sports, Darnell Dixon and Jake Brandon filling in for Ben Criddle today on this Wednesday from Fat Daddy's Pizzeria in downtown Provo. Band of the day is Hall and Oates. There you go. Daryl Hall and John Oates. The very first cassette tape I ever bought was one of their albums when I got oh. my first tape player in my car when I was in, it's like a junior in high school or something. There you go, man. So that brings back memories. <laughs> Prefer Hall more than Oates, but that's, that's just me. <laughs> Hollow Notes, our band of the day. Uh, we want to get into our question of the day, and we're going to keep it pretty simple today, Jake. Question of the day is brought to you, by the way, by Ruby's Inn. I've stayed at Ruby's Inn many times. It's an excellent spot. Get access to one of the best hiking and outdoor activities. Locations in all of Utah, and that's Bryce Canyon. You're just one mile from Bryce Canyon. Our family's gone there the last couple of years to the Winter Festival. Nice. And had some good times there. Not as much snow as I would have expected for the Winter Festival, but I'm, I'm sure this year we'll go and it'll be like six feet deep or something. Yeah, yeah, just because you said that. Because I said that. Just because of that. So make sure you go to rubiesin.com if you have some plans or like to make some plans for a nice summer or spring or winter vacation. At uh, the, the Hoodoos, as Ben calls them out there, the great rock formations that you can check out and the great hiking that's available out there. So my question of the day, like I said, I want to keep it simple. How does BYU beat Arkansas on Saturday? Oh, man. So as far as my intelligence says that Arkansas is a very big team, they're obviously an SEC team, so they're a very talented team, and they're a very physical team from the mentality standpoint of we want to run the ball, we want to establish dominance, on that now BYU's played a team that fits that bill in Baylor and played them very well and they've played uh some other teams that have big old lines and like to establish that and and struggle at times you know you honestly there's a few big runs in the Notre Dame game a 45 yard run and I think another 20 something yard run that if you take those out of the equation where you tackle some people where you had some chance at the line of scrimmage maybe it's a little bit more like a Baylor type outcome so I think they're certainly capable of it, but I think first and foremost, you can't get dominated in the time of possession, so your offense has to convert and execute and do well. And I think your defense has got to take really good angles and tackle really well, um, which they're capable of doing, uh, as we've seen in some instances, and there's other times where we've, we haven't shown up and done it as well as we'd like to. And the defensive guys would tell you that. You know, if we had, you know, we had Thule, Peely, Wilgar, Gabe, Caleb, all three, all three, they would tell you the same thing. Hey, if we take really good angles and we tackle well, we're a really good defense. And when we don't, then we leave we leave guys out to dry and people are able to make big plays on us. So, You looked at the, the defensive aspect of it, and that's certainly going to be a, a big factor in the game is how well BYU can get off the field and get a few stops. Um, this this 40-minute time of possession thing can't, can't continue. Yeah. You just can't survive doing that. A lot of times you look at some games, I think, and, and time of possession isn't really a factor even though there's a big discrepancy. Right. It doesn't really matter. Right. But I think what we found out the last four weeks is it really does matter with this team 
and especially on Saturday, you give a team 40 minutes of a 60-minute game with the ball, yeah. your chances of winning are very, very slim. And the, to be within one score yeah. was kind of a minor miracle for the Cougars, considering that they had the ball. So a few, and how many times did, did Jaron throw the ball? Like 16, 17 it wasn't, times? Yeah, it wasn't that many times. Um, and I think that, oh, man, it's, it's, it's all, while you're in Vegas, you're talking odds, right? The the chance of you hit the jackpot are probably equivalent to how much money you can, you, how many times you can throw money to that thing before you're bankrupt, right? Yeah. And the same thing with the plays you run, right? If Notre Dame is running way more plays than BYU, the chance of that 45-yard run or that 25-yard run or, or those big gash plays that result in points to happen, happen, right? And I think last year our defense wasn't really great at getting off the field um, either, they were good at limiting people, holding people to field goals, or you know, causing them, some turnovers. Causing some turnovers, yeah, yeah. right? But I wouldn't say their their trademark was getting off the field. But our offense was so efficient last year, it didn't seem to matter. Right. Like when we had, we I mean, how many times did Rico? I know he was on a watch list for a punting award. Rico was, but he didn't qualify because he didn't have enough attempts to yeah. qualify because we didn't punt that much. We got the ball and we scored. Like yeah. that's how it went. And this year, you know, like. We're, we're maybe it's a better schedule. Maybe we're missing Tyler Algier. Maybe Jaron's. Maybe, there's probably a lot of things. Gunner and Puka have been out. There's a lot of things you could point to, but it seems like we're not as efficient where we can let the defense stay on the field longer. Cougar stats on Twitter came out with a, a, a number, uh, and and I feel like this number is pretty important. Uh, BYU's top two receivers coming into the season, Gunner Romney and Puka Nakua, have combined through six games for nine catches. Yeah. I don't think anybody expected that to happen. Yeah. And there have been circumstances, obviously, with injuries that have precluded them playing. But I feel like playing against a team like Arkansas, who's very explosive, I feel like they've got to get Puka involved. And we don't know what Gunner's involvement's going to yeah. be because he did, they, he did get injured and they took him to a hospital in Las Vegas. He didn't stay overnight, apparently, according to Coach Kalani. Um, but they did just monitor to make sure that there was nothing else going wrong and he did say that he expects him to be able to play Saturday. We, we'll see how that plays out. So I feel like, and, and we saw that first game, that first quarter, the first game against South Florida, that Puka was just stunning. Just, oh, yeah. Just dominant. Dominant. In that first quarter, he had that long touchdown run and a couple of long catches and another touchdown reception. Uh, we see how explosive he can be. I think BYU needs that in their offense. He needs that threat so that other things can open up. And that, to me, also includes Isaac Rex at tight end. Yeah. I feel like they've got to get him more involved. Yeah. They've got to throw to him more and, and make the defense honest in the middle of the field. Right. Uh, they were able to attack the middle of the field against Notre Dame with Cody Epps, which I thought was kind of unique because we've talked on this show about how Jaron doesn't really work the middle of the field as much yeah. as he does the, the, the sidelines. So it was good to see him hit the middle and find some open guys. But I That's actually a really cool play. With a, yeah. So the play they ran on that – is I don't know I'm sure it's called uh, with Cody and it's probably a Y bender or an F bender depending on the formation they're on. But what you had is you had Puka who was the same side as Cody and he ran an outsider's least go mm-hmm. and the safety who's supposed to kind of like take over and and help with Cody Epps on that was like I am not getting beat by number twelve I've watched film I know who number twelve is <laughs> yeah. and at the snap he bailed to the sideline and said I'm taking away Puka this is where they're going and Cody ran this awesome route where he bent it behind the linebacker and there was just this gaping window and coverage because that safety decided to be so decisive and, and take away Puka that it was like Cody was off to the races and had the middle of the field so wide open to do so I thought the play call was brilliant 
Cody ran like a great bender route, as good as you could, set up the backer, got behind him, left the safeties high and dry in their coverage, and there was a lot of really beautiful things about that play. So working the middle, but also from like a scheming standpoint, an execution standpoint, and Jaron recognizing what was going on with the safeties and making that throw just bam right there when he was in that window. All of it all around is just, for me as a football coach, it's just beautiful. It's like, oh, that's so great. And that's an example of, and there's been a lot of discussion about BYU's coordinators and the right play and the wrong play. Certainly that was a play that was executed very, very well, right, yeah. as well as the touchdown in the first half, yeah. the error return yeah. is what, what I'm seeing that it's called. Yes, Cody, it's, yeah. that, that's, that play is indefensible. Yeah. You can't defend I, that and play. Man coverage, was, and man coverage, and I mean, they, I believe they were an ace. Which, uh, which means they had like two outside wide receivers and they had a running back behind the quarterback, which is like a downhill run position. So as a defense, you're like, oh, man, they're going to try and overpower it and run in there. So you leave these corners on an island, right, yeah. to sell out and to stop this inside run. And it, it, there was no read on that play. If you watch Jaron's feet and his arm, it was this ball was going to Cody Epps <laughs> and nowhere else. Right. And Cody ran that motion like, hey, we might try and tack the, the, the jet sweep on the other side of the field, right? And the 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 corner's like, hey, that's my guy. He I got to stay he, with he him. He was sprinting. He was sprinting yeah. to try and get across the field to make that jet sweep tackle. And then Cody's just smooth, man. Cody like puts on the great, puts great on the work. change of direction yeah. and goes. And there's just nobody there. So it, that play, there was no read. There was no progressions. That was a straight up. You, we know you're going to be in man to try and stop us in the middle because we've got a respectable O line and Chris Brooks is a respectable downhill guy. But guess what? Cody Epps is pretty shifty and special too, and we're yeah. going to make it happen. I love that play call. Um, do you remember right before halftime last year in the Utah game, we ran a variation of that play? Mm, yes. Samson Nakua Samson, ran a return. Yeah. It wasn't the same exact play because he was like a slant return, right? That he took the uh, we, we had a little play action and a little baby boot from from Jaron on that, and we ran the same idea. But I liked almost that variation better because it gave Jaron the opportunity to like run in the end zone if he right. did too. This one was basically, we're going to beat you with speed and timing. So yeah. it's a different play call, but I like that red zone play call that, that uh, we've used down there. We used a little bit of Spanish work when I called plays down there. It's really, really hard to defend. And A-Rod really is a master. And he, when, he, when he doesn't have to focus on, I feel like, fixing the run game or, or fixing problems when things are working, he's really creative and you really get to see him shine. And I feel like this year we've had some cohesive issues, some execution mm-hmm. issues, and he's had to focus his efforts on making things work and we haven't been able to see maybe him shine in his creative play calling aspect and things as much as his fine tuning the offense. And, and I think that that I think everyone expects the BYU offense to operate like it did against Virginia last year, <laughs> where you know up and down the field scoring every time, and that's not the way the game usually is played. That right. was a, that was definitely an aberration. But I'm with you. I feel like that that A Rod has that ability, and we just haven't quite seen that from the offense yet this year even in the first game yeah you know after puka went out they were a little less explosive um i know against uh utah state they went conservative late in the game yeah on those three possessions inside the 25 of utah state and didn't score any points and i think that's that frustrating was, for fans to watch i think that was a 100 percent analytics call and i don't know this personally yeah but i feel like i feel like uh <laughs> i feel like someone in the booth who's looking at the analytics says look you got a 90 percent chance of winning this game if you run the ball and like run out the clock more, right? Versus you've got a 84% chance if you try and attack the end zone and score again. Because I, I, just in those situations where we know Kalani's aggressive, he loves to go for it on fourth and one. 
We know Kalani's not afraid to punt inside his own end or fake a punt in his own end zone or kick it onside, kick it. Maybe they're not. So I don't think it's a gut check call of like, oh, does Kalani not have the guts or does he not want to know the score? I almost have to believe that's an analytics from the booth call of saying, hey, you got a 6% better chance of winning this game if you work off more time versus work for more points. Right. And so that's my take on it. ESPN 960 Sports. We are at Fat Daddy's Pizzeria. We'll come back after this break and talk to owner Chad Pritchard about what's going on here at Fat Daddy's. It smells great, yeah. obviously. That's the yes. first part when you walk in the door. We want to talk about what they're doing here and, and what, what, uh, what, what, what the opportunity is for, for BYU fans to come in and support a local business as well as get some great-tasting pizza. And support a business that supports the Cougars mm. and at ESPN 960. I mean, we'll get into it, but Chad supported us at Coo Connect with NIL stuff. He supported, he's delivered pizzas to the football team after that thing. Like, Chad is a guy who supports the players and supports the program. And, in fact, the way I got connected with Chad was from Blake Freeland, yeah. who was an offensive lineman, right, a first-round probably offensive lineman on the team. And he had glowing things to say about Chad. So he's a guy the players know, respect, care about. He takes care of them, and he takes care of, you know, the BYU programming at ESPN 960. So it'll be great to hop on with Chad. We'll come back and talk to him in just a minute on ESPN Sports, ESPN 960 Sports. Right here at Fat Daddy's Pizzeria. Come back with us, please. According to my calculation. Come on. Let's talk about stats, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that make me. Let's talk about ESPN 960 Sports, Darnell Dixon and Jake Brandon from Cougar Connect hosting the show as Ben Criddle is off today. He'll be back tomorrow and Friday and Saturday with the live remote before the BYU-Arkansas game. We are at Fat Daddy's Pizzeria in Provo, and with us right now is the owner, Chad Pritchard. Hi, Chad. Good hey. to meet you. And I, since this is new, I've been here before Sure, getting pizza for me and my wife. I'm a I'm a carnivore, so the tricarnate was just the right thing for That's me. That's one of our one of our top <laughs> sellers, man. So tell me the story about Fat Daddy's Pizzeria. Oh my goodness, Fat Daddy started years ago. My wife and I started a pizza shop in Killeen, Texas, where I'm from, where I grew up, and um, we we went through 2008, 2000, and it really hurt us. 2008 really hurt us, and uh, 2010, we 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 kind of stayed open until 2010. It was just kind of just never recovered where we were at next to an army post and it was just really hard so we closed that concept and moved on with our lives you know fast forward uh, three years later four well let's see six years later i'm here in utah and um i i had a restaurant and we really wanted to get going on another pizzeria we just i've always done pizza on the side so i had my italian restaurant and it just made natural sense to, to do a pizza shop so we had a pizza shop and we started it uh, we bought a place that would had uh had gone out of business, and uh, we just kind of took over that spot and just started doing pizzas with not not really focusing on it because I had my other restaurant, and then that restaurant closed, and COVID happened, and all of a sudden it was all about pizza, and pizza really saved our lives there. I mean, saved our, our not our lives, but our, saved our uh, our, our careers during um, during COVID because that's all we had. Yeah. And so uh, we built that little business up from uh, this business up from 1,600 square feet and four employees to where we're at now. We're opening our second location in Orem. Oh, nice. Yeah. So it's been really, it's been a really kind of a, a wild 30 months. My eyes lit up because I live yeah. in Orem. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So right there, right there in the, um, 
right there in the Smith Shopping Center. It used to be a five buck pizza. We oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Small okay, no, exactly. so We're going right that? back to kind yeah. of back to our roots to kind of a smaller footprint. So uh, we'll have a kitchen on one side, a small dining room on the other. But we we're really working hard to put out the same uh, the same experience you get there here that you'd get there, but just kind of on a smaller scale. Yeah. So what so. what is the experience that you're looking for here? You know, we're just an old school pizza shop. When we opened in uh, in 2020, when we moved in this location, in May of 2020. Um, COVID wow. was going on. Yeah. They told us all it would be over by July. And so we, we took a big risk and said, hey, we have our pizza. We have our restaurant space here because we had this space. This was my Italian restaurant. And um, we took that risk and moved from where we are at, which is a very small space, into this bigger space, uh, hoping, hey, by July, everything will be back to normal. Of course, we all know that. How, how you yeah. know, Looking back, we all know how that happened. Uh, but it took just the story is here. I just thought. When we moved in the space, what people were wanting at the time was something when they could come back to dinner that they could be with their families. We still couldn't gather, but it had to be something that was fun for the parents and was fun for the kids. Uh, you know, I've taken my daughter to her fair share, my daughter's their fair share of uh, uh, Chuck E. Cheese birthday parties and things like that. And I thought it can't just be fun for the for the kids. It's got to be someplace that the whole family can go and the, the parents are going to going to love so you know on our walls are stuff that i loved growing up as a kid in the 70s or in the 80s and 90s you know uh, just the music and the the you know we're all about just that nostalgia growing up a great pizza parlor we're not a papa john's we're not a right. we're not one of those places those have great products and those are those are there's a spot in the market for them but that's not the market we we fill we fill something that's very uh, what we think is needed is, which is pizza is, a, uh, is supposed to be eaten familial style and family style. And that's what we do. We, we bring these big pizzas out to the table. Everybody sits down. They eat their, they eat their huge pizza. Uh, they just have a great time. They play arcade games. Kids get to introduce to things like the VCR. You know, my kids have never <laughs> seen a VCR or a console TV. We have those. And so it's just that's what it's about. It's about just great experience with your family, having a good time, having good pizza. Uh, making sure our pizzas taste great, that the, our customers can really love those and feel like, hey, it's something that we want to come back to uh, time and time again because we want to be part of the community. We don't want to be just kind of a nameless, faceless pizza joint. Yeah. Well, Jake was talking about your, your <clears throat> involvement with BYU Sports and with Cougar Connect. Sure. Um, you, you talked about delivering pizza. Right. Yeah. <laughs> For the football games, we we do. We've been we've been very very uh, blessed to have uh, early on in our. When we moved here in 2020, uh, a couple of BYU kids stumbled in, a couple of linemen stumbled in, and then that led to uh, them bringing a couple more guys in and then working with some other people when the NIL started, working with them. And we really – I've had a dream for a long time to be Fat Daddy's Pizzeria and be the uh, the official linemen of fat guys everywhere, yeah. <laughs> which naturally led into linemen. Although I'm looking at linemen now, and they're not fat anymore. They, uh, when uh, I was coming up, you? linemen were fat. These guys are tall and they're they're, Six, they're cut and they're they're <laughs> look strong. At, look at Blake. And they look like giants, right? And so you like know. the running backs. I, this is a secret. This is secret inside information. But the running backs get together on Mondays. It can't be that and, secret and inside if you're telling me. Yeah, I'm telling you guys <laughs> on the radio. But I, I like to I like to spill the tea. So anyway, <laughs> but uh, they get together and do uh, yoga on Mondays. Blake Freeland, the starting left tackle. Who we talk about like not a fat guy, right? He goes and does yoga with these with these running backs. And Miles Davis was telling me in the summer, he's like, I think Blake might be the most flexible one, like of the group, right? Like and that's not what you typically envision as an old lineman guy. Well, I saw him play basketball in high school. Yeah, and uh, he was smooth. Yeah, he was smooth for a big guy for sure. That's cool.
Yeah. Uh, so you are a basketball fan, as as you mentioned. I, I, you know, I am a I'm a basketball game watching fan live in the stands. Yeah. I I used to really get into sports, and then just over the last eight to ten years, since being just knee deep in in, this, in the in the restaurants, sure. I just I I've really lost a whole lot. I, I try to watch football games every year uh, as much as I can. My kids play football, so they love it, but. Uh, I, I do love to go to the basketball games. I love watching basketball. My son, who's 10, loves loves basketball. He plays football for the Tempe Youth League. Uh, go T-Birds. Um, but uh, they did great this year. They lost every game. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know they learned you. a lot, Chad. They learned a lot. <laughs> but uh, but I do. I do love, I love, I love going to the basketball games. Uh, I love basketball. I love watching. It's been a lot of fun. T- tell us about the menu. Um, you, 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 I guess uh, twenty four is a number. Twenty four. Twenty four inch pizza. That's yeah. a lot. That's a big pizza. Like yeah. people don't realize how big that is. It's like ah, that's like you know, no, that's like big. Yeah. Uh, that pizza came. I, I originally started this concept when I when I started my pizza shop. I said I really just want to do one size pizza. And we did eighteen inch pizzas. That's what we did. Um, we did. We always said we just do one size, one thing, one. One thing very well, that's New York-style hand-tossed thin crust pizzas. And that's kind of changed over the years. We do multiple things now. Uh, we've, got a, we've got a Sicilian pan that we're, pizza that we're working on that we can get that out. Uh, so we don't just do one thing anymore. But we used to just do 18-inch pizzas, and that was the big thing for, for me. It was like a one-size, really big pizza. And then one day during the pandemic, we were bored. It was slow. Uh, and I had these stupid-looking like pizza pizza screens what they call they're 24 inches and we stretched these pizzas 24 inches and um and we did it because we had we had 50 24 inch boxes i just wanted to get rid of and so i ran this special to get rid of these things and they sold in like two nights it was gone and and so we added them and they became we thought man people are gonna get them like once or twice a week and it became like one of our uh, well, at that time we only had two things: 18-inch pizzas and 24-inch pizzas. But it, we Very sold fun. way more than we thought we did, and we still continue to sell a ton of those. And we've also added 10-inch pizzas since then, uh, so that you can come in and get a personal size 10-inch pizza. Uh, we've had a lot of requests for that. Instead of people wanting to just get one big or t- or two big pizzas, they can get six smaller pizzas. And so people are liking that. Yeah, I got the tricarne. My wife, she likes pepperoni. I got her the pepperoni. We were good. Yeah, all absolutely, right? Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah, we did, uh, I'm going to say it wrong. Was it Bandito or Bandita? The Bandito. We got the Bandito up at that uh, Warzone event, and uh, that thing was one of the best pizzas I think I've ever had. Like, I, yeah, I, I we don't try. know how popular You should try really. the Maverick, which, of course, is named after you know my favorite, uh, favorite war movie of all time, <laughs> Top Gun. Uh, and actually, I don't know where she's at. Oh, she's not here anymore. Uh, Janine, my business partner, we were we were doing a reprint of our menu, and I and I opened this up. And I was like, "What's the Maverick?" And she was, I was like, "That's not something I came up." With. She's like, "No, I added that." So she added this pizza called the Maverick, and it is it is fantastic. I am not, in all honesty, I'm not a huge barbecue pizza yeah. fan. We have them on our menu because people love them, and, and ours taste very very good. But yeah. it's, if if I'm ordering a pizza, I'm not ordering a barbecue pizza. But this pizza is spectacular. It's made with our honey chipotle sauce, pickled red onions, things that we do in house i mean it's just it's a ridiculously good pizza i'm not typically a barbecue pizza fan either but i got a slice of that at that event we did and it was honestly so good that like when we recorded cody epps's song in studio like we ordered another one from here so that they could try it too because it's really good here's yeah. the real reason the that's chad's right. in business that's right gotta kiddos. be the kids right that's right my kids just walked in and that's one of the reasons i love i love provo and i love utah um you know i'm from texas i grew up here and i always said i would never move to utah you know, never say that but uh this is i mean this was really a big part of our, our pizzeria at the beginning um 
it was what I had when, when, when COVID shut everything down. We were supposed to open a new restaurant in March of 2020, and uh, COVID shut that all down. And, I mean, it really started with me. My wife had a job, has a job still with somebody else. She doesn't work for us, and so she couldn't take our kids to work, and I had no place for our kids to go. So that was really the big inspiration for us is when I was bringing my kids to work, um, they would get bored. And yeah. so we had to do something that was fun for them in the pizza shop. And that's where, you know, fail videos came from. We show a lot of those, a lot of sports highlights, a lot of, a lot of you know, pet videos, things like that all over the – it's really just to make, make it so that everybody in this, this that comes in here and for my kids can, can be entertained and have a good, great time and a good experience. Well, what's your daughter's name? This is Lily. Lily, do you are really good at skee-ball? She's pretty good at skee-ball. Yeah, and your son? Uh, he He's um, – where do you go? He's, he can hit that 100. <laughs> he can get that up there. We taught him how to do it. I haven't seen him do it in a while, but we've taught him how to how to get it so it hops up into that corner. Uh, for a while, that ski ball machine was free. It wasn't. It was, the coin operator wasn't working. Oh, so, so we could same. go out and press start, and it would just keep running. So we got really good at nailing those hundreds in the corner because we could knock them out like six and seven at a time because you just, you know, it's just practice. You dial it in. That's right. If, if you had a pool so. table in here, I would feel like I was back in the arcade where I was growing up. Uh, we used to have a pool table right here oh, during okay. pandemic because we could only have tables certain certain for uh-huh. parts. So I thought, well, this place looks really stupid. It's so big, and it only has four four tables so we put a pool table in to kind of take up the space but then uh, my wife and and my business partners always surround yourself gentlemen with with women that are smarter than you because they're going to make you do the things that are that you have to do and they're going to tell you why you need to do it that way so i've got my business partner janine and my wife kimber and they both came in there like look you got to get rid of the pool table it (laughs) it makes us no money and it's taking up table space too much space yeah well chad we appreciate taking some time to talk to us it is fat daddy's pizzeria at 223 west center street in downtown provo great location just easy to find center Yeah? yeah easy to find great tasting pizza you can come and experience it for yourself. We'll come back on the other side of this break with the Cougar Beat and Jared Lloyd from the Daily Herald on ESPN 960 Sports. Thanks so much. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.